I'm Kit Hammer. And I'm Alex Kersher. And And we're we're live live from Building 7. We're bringing you this week's Microsoft news, including a full rundown of the SolarWinds hack and an SLA improvement. That's no joke. We're both Microsoft employees by day, but by night we are here to bring you this unofficial and unendorsed broadcast. Here's the news for the week of Monday, December 14th to Friday, December 18th, 2020. Microsoft stock closed Friday, December 18th at $218.59 a share, up 2.5% from last Friday and giving Microsoft a total market cap of $1.65 trillion. Which brings us into the Azure announcements for this week. Well, folks, Christmas has come early this year. Azure Free Accounts will now include access to five additional services. Uh, These are Service Bus, VPN Gateway, Load Balancer, Container Registry, and Archive Storage, which are offering free amounts of their services as part of the 12 months of free services that users get access to when creating a free Azure account. Cosmos DB has also increased the amount of storage included for Azure free account users, so there is a lot to look forward to if you're a developer uh, looking to uh, get in and and maybe build a couple independent projects and uh, start the uh, new year off on the right foot. Yeah, and there's some good stocking stuffers if you're just looking for, you know, that service bus under the tree. You can just pop it right in there. Uh, Deployment scripts for ARM templates as well as what if for ARM templates are both now generally available. This is very exciting. Uh, Starting off, deployment scripts allow you to run Bash or PowerShell scripts as a part of your ARM template. Uh, And it allows you to do anything that isn't natively supported in ARM without having to like stand up another resource to do that. So you can have kind of a nice one shot deployment for your whole Azure solution. Uh, They've also uh, updated authentication of deployment scripts uh, to support service principle auth, which is very nice to see. Uh, And then what if for ARM templates is also now GA, which is very exciting. This allows you to preview the effects of an ARM template without actually deploying it. It's the it's the what if machine. (laughs) What if we made the the, uh, long pointer or whatever it is from uh, from Futurama? This allows you to basically append a command to, or like a flag to the deployment command, the confirm with what if flag, and then it'll print out the same printout that you would get after successfully deploying an ARM template, telling you all the stuff you got, but without actually having to deploy it. So you can check and see what is actually going to end up happening at the end of your ARM template journey. Azure API Management has integrated with Azure Key Vault to support storing and managing named values. Named values in APIM are basically just strings, uh, constant values, or secrets that you can use when configuring an API. For instance, they can be used to store policy expressions. So not only is it possible, but recommended now by the API management docs that you use Key Vault to store these values and ensure visibility into your API policies and secrets is kept on a need-to-know basis. We have a few updates streaming in from the Azure Stream Analytics team this week. First up, reference data support has been beefed up from the old 300 megabyte max all the way up to 5 gigs of supported reference data. And as a bit of background, this is what allows you to store static data alongside your stream to capture values that change infrequently without needing to log them every time, you know, configuration values and stuff. Um, 
Stream Analytics has also been updated to support logging in user-defined functions and aggregates that are written in JavaScript for all your nice troubleshooting needs. And wrapping it all up, Stream Analytics uh, also supports using managed identity to authenticate with a bunch more services. The winners include Blob Storage and Azure Data Lake Storage Gen 2 for input, Event Hub input and output, dedicated SQL pool output, and the connection to the storage account used to store your user-defined functions. So all that stuff you can now authenticate using managed identities. Azure Active Directory has announced that beginning April 1st, 2021, their SLA will be updated to promise 99.99% uptime. Their current SLA is 99.9%, uh, which uh, Alex did the math on this, and so this would go from about 525 minutes, or like uh, roughly eight and a half hours per year expected downtime, to uh, 52 minutes uh, per year expected downtime. So that is quite an improvement. I mean, I guess you could just do the simple math and say 10 times less, but that gives you an idea um, of that's about a business day um, that you're that you're knocking off uh, in terms of downtime. Yeah, quite impressive. Um, and worth noting is that when the SLA update to 99.99% is made, Azure AD will also be updating the definition of Azure AD SLA availability to include only user authentication and federation and will be removing administrative features, uh, which makes total sense because mostly people care about being able to log in and access their Azure AD protected resources. So it makes sense to focus on those engineering investments um, and, and stick to those core functionalities. But that will be very exciting coming up. And uh, also, I did note that this was on April 1st. And uh, I'm glad that they're announcing it ahead of time because I can't think of a... <laughs> I, don't, I don't imagine... <laughs> that anyone would mistake this for a joke because I can't think of like an unfunnier joke than like our service is going to have better SLA. Just kidding. Like that's April so... Fools. <laughs> that's such an unthinkable April Fool's joke that I don't think anyone would be confused, but still probably good to, to set the breadcrumbs up ahead of time. Although if it does turn out to be an April Fool's joke, hats off to the Azure Active Directory that team. That is so bold of a joke that I would revere them forever, but... Probably for comedy more than apparently uptime, um, which one of those things being a security feature, I would, I don't know. Humor is important. Yeah, it's prob it's probably serious. Okay, We're let me be clear. The of the let doubt. me be clear though. I think Azure AD is doing a magnificent thing by improving their infrastructure to try to aim for ninety nine point nine nine percent uptime in the future. <laughs> let me make that stance very clear. Well, moving on, it is time for logging news. Uh, the log analytics agent has been improved. Uh, it now supports new operating systems and some new pro programming languages. We get CentOS eight support, Red Hat eight support, and SUSE. Linux 15 support. The team has also added support for Python 3, uh, so now you can mix and match all of your favorite Python versions. Azure Neural Text-to-Speech has added 51 new voices to their portfolio. This brings the total number of lifelike text-to-speech voices offered by the service to 129 across 54 language and locale pairs. And by language and locale pairs, I mean, for instance, that one of the voices is English being spoken by an Irish person. So the language is English and the locale is Ireland. Uh, so this new round of voices has also made it so both a male and female voice option is available for all of the language locale pairs. The neural text-to-speech team is also introducing a new improvement, starting with one of the German voices, Katja. 
that will have the neural voices pronounce English words close to their native English pronunciation, which is a change based off of user feedback and will be added to more languages going forward. So apparently this is just uh, like more understandable or more, I don't know. All I know is that people overall wanted this. And so I assume that it is a good and user-friendly thing. Um, and if we can play a couple of things comparing. So um, for instance, before um, the pronunciation of the English words phrase, name, Star Wars was like more in the kind of... Here, yeah, let's, let's yeah. just Oh, yeah, here, yeah, I'm going to let the... Star Wars, das Erwachen der Macht. So that's the old pronunciation. And then the new one... Star Wars, das Erwachen der Macht. And then they also have one other sample. We've got the old... Three billboards outside the Ebbing, Missouri. And the new... Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, this is really neat. So I guess it just it, it pronounces the words in kind of the correct like native pronunciation as if the text-to-speech vo voice was bilingual. Because I guess also as a developer, if you wanted to do this, you would have had to switch voices. So like mid-sentence, you would get some like English-sounding female voice. <laughs> yeah, they, they talked about the fact that one of the difficulties was that they didn't have a lot of samples of like the like German vocal talent used to like create this voice pronouncing yeah. English words. And so like the, the generating on this was like its own challenge. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see this improvement rolling out. Yeah. And just thinking of the like kind of algorithmic complexity right now, it means that if they've got 190 locales <laughs> or languages, each voice uh, actor now needs to do their native tongue and then 190 other ones to get kind of full coverage. Well, they have, so they have 54 language locale pairs, but some okay. chunk of them are um, English, which I assume oh, yeah, and I guess, that then okay. you want that in the dialect because it's still not stark like Star Wars and then like yeah. German. This is super you know. neat though. Um, but yeah. All right, moving along, Azure Media Services has a roundup of all of the year's updates to the video indexer all bundled up into one big news drop. So starting off uh, in July, actually, they added support for multi-language transcription in the media indexer that went GA. Uh, this is a solution to automatically tag different languages in a video to transcribe them and create the like subtitles. Uh, previously, you had to manually tag what languages occurred in what part of the video. Um, so if you had multiple languages being spoken, it was quite tedious to tag everything correctly. Uh, next up, the video indexer now automatically infers topics from the context of the video uh, to augment your own manually added topics, which makes it way easier to search for a video if your particular search term was never actually said in the transcript of the video. So if you want to search for like web development, um, you, there, it just might not be in the actual words spoken in that, that meeting. Uh, and finally, the video indexer paid accounts can now be created in the East US region. All these Azure services. Azure VMware solution is now available in the UK South and Japan East regions. Where in the world is all these Azure services. And that is all of our Azure news, which brings us into the rest of the Microsoft news. And starting off, everybody, we we have a doozy. Um, first off, we have this gigantic solar winds 
data breach. And for everybody not familiar, I'm going to give a bit of a recap and then we'll get into kind of Microsoft's part in all of this. So starting on Sunday, December 13th of this week, Microsoft and SolarWinds disclosed a vulnerability that had been added to the SolarWinds Orion project after the company was was compromised and malicious code was added directly to that product. As a bit of background, SolarWinds is a uh, security firm. They do um, digital uh, security products and the Orion product is kind of an antivirus like edge gateway tool and it is used all over the place. Many, many, many large companies use that product, Microsoft being one of them. Um, and the list of compromised groups by this hack is is extensive. Um, to, to read a couple of them, the, the US cybersecurity firm FireEye, which was kind of the initial spark that um, exposed all of this, uh, the U.S. Treasury Department, the U.S. Department of Commerce's Natu National Telecommunications and Information Administration, um, the Department of Health, uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Department of State uh, were all specifically exploited uh, by this vulnerability. And it's it's been quite extensive. So to give an idea, on Monday, SolarWinds estimated that at least 18,000 customers had installed the Trojanized update, including 425 of the companies on the Fortune 500. Um, however, the hackers didn't actually appear to have taken advantage of nearly any of those systems, and they only carried out a handful of carefully orchestrated intrusions into the network of high-profile targets. So, first off, trying to just unpack kind of the whodunit of this one. Uh, the Wall Street Journal has a really excellent write-up that I'd really recommend going and reading for more information. Um, but to quote them, uh, quote, while intelligence officials and security experts generally agree that Russia is responsible, and some believe it is the handiwork of Moscow's foreign intelligence service, FireEye and Microsoft, as well as some government officials, believe the attack was perpetrated by a hacking group never seen before, uh, one whose tools and techniques have been previously unknown. So we can't really say for sure now who is behind the attacks and i would i would highly recommend everyone uh, just kind of wait and try not to to cast too many stones until we have a bit more information but it does appear microsoft is very convinced that this is some nation state sponsored actor with quite extensive resources and time to commit to this so kind of walking into microsoft specific involvement in this um, kind of look, looking through the timeline going through this week because the story has been developing quite a lot. Uh, on Tuesday, Microsoft took control of a domain name that had been used to command and control the compromised machines, and that domain name had been registered since July 2018 to give you a sense of how long sort of this attack has been baking, or at least this group has been in operation. Um, on Wednesday, uh, oh, oh, so sorry, starting starting on Monday, actually, Microsoft added to Defender um, detection for this uh, for for this uh, compromised version of Orion, that was actually announced kind of day and date with the initial breach announcement. So Defender is able to detect the compromised version of Orion. And then on Wednesday, Defender is updated to quarantine those affected binaries, proactively remo removing them from running systems. Um, so you kind of get from notification to action on Wednesday. 
On Thursday, Reuters reported that Microsoft had been hacked as a part of the breach and, quote, it also had its own products leveraged to further attacks on others, end quote. Uh, however, in a statement to The Verge, uh, Microsoft said, quote, like other SolarWinds customers, we have been actively looking for indicators of this actor and can confirm that we detected malicious SolarWinds binaries in our environment, which we isolated and removed. We have not found evidence of access to production services or customer data. Our investigations, which are ongoing, have found absolutely no indicators that our systems were used to attack others. And part of the the hypothesis here kind of behind this is that, that Microsoft was compromised. Yes, it's just unclear whether they were exploited. And then in some of the uh, in some of the attacks, uh, the oh, a compromised version of Orion was used to gain user credentials, which was then used to modify services running in Azure. And so not an attack on Microsoft systems or an attack on Azure, but using a compromised user account to do normally sanctioned operations, change, change production services. Uh, then on Friday, the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center released a very detailed analysis of the attack. Um, and again, we can't go into all of the details without doing a four-hour podcast, so I'd highly recommend going and reading it if you're you're into information security. But sort of the spark notes are that this exploit was added directly to the build pipeline in SolarWinds. So this was some some part of their ability to deploy code was exploited and then this update was signed and released as an official update to the Orion system so very 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 difficult to detect using traditional antivirus systems. Um, and Microsoft disclosed that attackers had been testing their ability to add malicious code by adding empty classes as early as October 2019. So over a year in the making, sort of working in this this hack. Um, and also Microsoft disclosed that the attack appears to be totally human operated. So a lot of these attacks, especially recently, have been sort of these big wide net sort of spraying attacks. And we've seen organizations like hospitals inadvertently um, hurt by by digital attacks. But this appears to be human operated, overseen, something that that's been been watched over. Uh, so so this is this is a this is a doozy. This is a gigantic exploit. There are going to be repercussions for for years to come. Um, but that's sort of Microsoft's involvement. Uh, and this is we're we're gonna keep you keep you all updated as the story develops. Kit, any any questions? I feel like I've given quite a lecture, and now I need to do a Q and A. Haji, Maji, I'm. I think the thing is like I I guess I do have questions, but that is, they are questions involving the particulars of how they were the like the hackers were able to like undetected make updates to the code base without anyone noticing that like their credentials were being used to make those updates like i'm curious on a technical level of how like the access and tracks covering worked yeah um, and that's a really good question because i've kind of presented like a really simplified view of what what this exploit is so i would recommend you also go go and read this report um part of the sort of High level is that they they were very meticulous at deleting logs and records of changes as they were going along. And through multiple reports from multiple people, all of the reporting continues to echo that this is this surprised everyone in terms of how meticulous at covering their tracks this group was. Whew, well, all right, Kid Hammer, do you do you have something more lighthearted for me? Maybe something fun for the holidays that people can have with their big video conferencing. 
family get-togethers. Wow, I sure do have something specifically that is that. Whoa! Uh, Skype's most recent release has added support for together mode. This feature, uh, beloved on Microsoft Teams, is available for Mac, Windows, and Linux, as well as on the web version of Skype that can be used without an account. Together mode can be enabled for calls with at least five people, and it is here just in time to make virtual Christmas gatherings feel a little bit more personal. So even though you may not be together, we can still make things feel like Christmas at home with the family, all sat around a like stark granite conference table in your Swiss Alps lair or with everyone gathered in like a big lecture hall with bits of their heads and limbs cut off. Um, I'm sorry, I do not mean to appear cynical. I really like together mode. I'm very happy that Skype has together mode. I will have to engineer our like family call um, so that like Alex and I are on separate devices and my parents are on separate devices and I need to get five different people so we can make this happen because normally we'll double up, you know, a couple of people to a webcam, but I need yeah. to uh, get everyone spread out so we can add up to five and... and uh, <laughs> Try to test this out. Although it is kind of fun when you have multiple people and the, the whoever the webcam decides like lost the neural network battle for who's a person just sort of phases in and out of reality. Yes, but if our house and my parents' house, that's only two people, not enough to test together mode. So that's so why we have to like like uh, then recruit a, a few other folks. But. We'll Although, have to find more family and friends. <laughs> personally, my favorite is still when you're the only one in a group of people with your video on and you turn together mode on and you're just sat in your Swiss Alps <gasps> lair alone I at the table. Really <laughs> it's the best. It's the best ever. All right. Moving, moving along. The Surface Duo has gotten some updates for 2021 forward looking updates as well as some updates for right now today. So... In the future, in 2021, far, far away, distant land, the Surface Duo will be available outside of the United States, specifically in Canada, the United Kingdom, France, and Germany. So get your second hand ready for that second phone screen. Uh, also, TikTok has been updated for the Surface Duo with a new app that is optimized for two screens. On one side, you have the normal sort of TikTok scrolling video screen that you'd expect in the app. And on the other side, you have the search view. So you can search for tags or see your kind of trending posts or anything on the left side. So more and more dual screen apps for your dual screen lifestyle. The Microsoft Authenticator mobile app has announced the public preview of password management and autofill. If you have Microsoft Authenticator installed on your mobile device, it can store and fill in your passwords for you now. This will make it far easier to do the secure thing and set up strong passwords that are long, semi-random strings of letters, numbers, and punctuation. Also, even when my passwords have been human-readable and not especially strong, I still forget them and struggle to come up with something both memorable and unique. So password managers are one of those wonderful things that are both recommended to use for best security practices, but also actually make your life easier. Uh, so the public preview is available only for MSA accounts like Hotmail.com and Outlook.com accounts at the moment and doesn't include Azure AD-based work, school, work and school accounts for now. Uh, but I am really excited to see this coming to that app. Woo! Microsoft 365 has a bunch of 
uh, updates available for macOS users specifically. First off, universal apps uh, with support for Apple's new M1 processors are now here for the core Office apps like Outlook, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote. Those apps have also been refreshed visually to match macOS Big Sur. Kind of a subtle refresh, but they are now all rounded and kind of up to date with Apple's new design language. Next up, the start page for Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote have been updated with Mac, uh, for Mac to incorporate the Fluent UI design system. Going to be honest here, folks, it looks very similar to the old start page, but there are a bit more rounded corners and some some strategic drop shadows, and it now looks uh, much more similar to how Windows Office looks. Uh, Microsoft also announced support for iCloud accounts in the new Outlook for Mac, and uh, a couple more couple more things here from Office. Uh, Tell me is coming to Office for the Mac. This is the feature that allows you to type natural language phrases into the search box to perform specific actions. So stuff like making equations in Excel or setting up elaborate formatting in Word are all supposed to be in there. Mac users are also getting support for the slick continuity camera, which most which allows you to insert pictures into all sorts of different Office products, but most notably it allows you to take photos of tables and convert them into Excel spreadsheets, which is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly useful. Uh, Outlook for Mac is also getting updated to get support for shared calendars and Word gets support for at mentioning to add comments in line in a Word document. And finally, we didn't forget about them. Microsoft Edge is heading to M1 Max in preview. This makes sense. It follows Chrome getting added to uh, getting, getting built to support M1 Max with a universal app. So Edge following suit as we'd expect because they both derive from the same shared code base. The OneDrive app for iOS will now upload live photos. And live photos are photos that capture a few seconds of video when they're taken, so you get a normal still photo that's pulled out from the video by the camera software, but you can also access the few seconds of video to see the full motion and sound that was happening around the photo. So uh, for OneDrive, live photo upload can either be enabled by default or you can select individual photos and you can play the full video on OneDrive, but any edits made to the live photo will be saved as a still photo. Ooh, oh, I'm very excited to see this. Not, not, but you know, four years after live photos were also because <laughs> were there's out. nothing goofier than like playing. If you're looking at like a group picture, or selfie, or anything, just like the few awkward seconds as you try yeah. to pose and smile, and then sort of break from it, and it's good. Well, next up, uh, Power BI can now be searched. Uh, from SharePoint, from Office.com, from Microsoft Bing, and from Windows, all with your kind of Office account. This is gigantic. You used to only be able to search for Power BI dashboards by their name and any description that you entered in, but now the search indexer will actually look at the contents of the Power BI dashboard and allow you to search for for the specific contents inside of them. And this is Oh, this is personally my my Christmas present. I am so excited. I have had just such a such trouble finding Power BI dashboards. If you don't remember exactly what it's called, there's just no hope. You're back there scrolling through the list of the 500 Power BI dashboards that your organization has set up. So I'm I'm very excited to see this rich search coming to all of the kind of Microsoft suite of products. Microsoft Information Protection has new features for us this week. Microsoft Information Protection is a security service focused on identifying and protecting sensitive data across documents and emails 
in an organization's Microsoft 365 apps. So first up for this week's updates is the exact data match or EDM UI in the Microsoft 365 Compliance Center, which is now generally available, as is the EDM configurable match feature. Exact Data Match is a feature that supplements the generic pattern matching used to identify sensitive data by also allowing orgs to specify exact strings to look for. In addition to that GA announcement, Microsoft Information Protection has a few features in public preview, including external sharing policies for Teams and SharePoint sites, customer key support for Teams, and the expansion of MIP sensitivity labels to support the Power BI desktop application. Woo! couple of updates getting merged in this week from GitHub. Uh, first up, GitHub has removed all of the cookie banners from GitHub. These are required now by European Union law, and I'm sure you've seen them all over the internet. You go to a site and they say, oh, please accept our cookie policy to let us, uh, to let us serve you cookies from other websites. And GitHub has removed them by removing all of the cookies that would uh, would would be assigned to you from external websites so there's now no third party tracking on github and that means that now you don't have any of the banners that have to alert you of all the third-party tracking, which is which is very nice to see. It is also kind of convenient that now Microsoft is technically a first party <laughs> of GitHub, so I'm actually kind of curious under the covers how that all shook out. But GitHub doesn't serve ads, um, so it's probably pretty uh, it's it's probably less hurtful of their business model to to do this. Uh, GitHub has also uh, beefed up their interaction limits uh, on the site. This is the ability to um, to remove notifications or even the ability for for new users to interact with like a repository and send you notifications um, these all sort of started to to crop up after this year's uh, hacktoberfest ran by DigitalOcean, where DigitalOcean was giving people prizes for contributing to open source projects which resulted in a lot of people um starting to commit to open source projects without quite doing their due diligence to sort of assimilate into the open source community, just kind of making small little commits that sort of bogged everyone down maintaining those repositories. Um, so now you can set uh, interaction limits up to six months um, to do stuff like stop new users from committing to a repository, stop new contributions, stop new comments on a repository. Um, and you can also, so you can set those up per repository and you can also now set up interaction limits for your entire account account for all repositories uh, connected to your account. So that is uh, quite nice to see from GitHub. Xbox is now issuing refunds and pre-purchase warnings for users who bought the game Cyberpunk 2077, a much-anticipated and popular game that turned out to be unplayable at launch across a couple of platforms. In terms of the affected platforms, the game uh, apparently has some glitches but is playable on PC and Stadia, but on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 consoles, um, it is all but unplayable. The actual PS5 and Xbox Series X and S games haven't been released yet, but people have been able to play the game on those consoles via backwards compatibility. So the newsworthy part of this is that Microsoft is offering refunds and Sony has offered both refunds and altogether taken the game down from their store. These are apparently nearly unprecedented moves as normally games that launch with broken or unfinished parts do not result in consumer refunds, just kind of upset gamers and apologetic, you know, devs. And uh, Xbox is 
is showing the warning, as I mentioned as well, uh, to anyone attempting to purchase Cyberpunk on their digital storefront. And the warning reads, users may experience performance issues when playing this game on Xbox One consoles until this game is updated, which I think is interesting because it does not specify the magnitude of those errors of like if it's like a little bit of a cosmetic thing or if it's again literally unplayable but um i guess that's still quite uh, a standout move to be making uh in general but i am sure this will all work itself out but just uh had to fit the story in as it made its way across pretty much every major tech news outlet yeah, and in, in other gaming news, uh, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have all come together to produce a united set of safety principles for online gaming. These are moderation rules that are going to impact how all of these companies handle abuse, censorship, uh, any, any sort of management of their online platforms. And this is really important for supporting cross-play between different consoles. Um, this is uh, something that Sony has cited in the past for not supporting crossplay or kind of limiting crossplay for stuff like Rocket League or Fortnite with other platforms. And the, the main problem is that if, if somebody is doing something that's abusive or profane uh, by the definition of one platform, but not the defini definition of another, how does that work when they crossplay into, you know, with people on, on Sony's ecosystem, Nintendo's ecosystem, Microsoft's ecosystem. And so now with this uh, center, uh, like kind of unified set of rules, they now can moderate effectively across all those platforms. And it is worth noting that the blog was pretty thin on actual rules. We don't know what the unified set of moderation rules will look like, but we can kind of assume that moving forward, whatever Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo does, they will kind of move in concert together. Microsoft has reaffirmed their commitment to continue providing full pay to their displaced on-campus hourly workers, uh, as well as making additional commitments to support nonprofits and schools in Washington state. Uh, so Microsoft will continue paying hourly workers uh, from Puget Sound who are not needed necessarily in campuses where all working remote, uh, but they will continue as they have been. They're uh, paying their hourly wages. So uh, they did mention that apparently this has added up to $110 million so far. Um, and they say it will be likely an additional $50 million by March 31st, but they're not planning on opening campuses until early July 2021 at this point, so it may be more than that. But just kind of emphasizing and reminding everyone, like, hey, by the way, this whole time we've been like paying everyone. All the bus which drivers, is, all the food service workers. I will like, throw them a bone on this one, uh, which is to say thank you for doing that. People need to live. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Very good to do. Uh they, uh, Microsoft is also donating an additional $60 million, uh, to Washington State nonprofits that are supporting local communities um, and will be assisting schools to uh, by like providing COVID tracking software uh, that they can use to um, get a good handle on potential outbreaks and is also prepared to donate PPE to schools that need additional supplies. Um, so they're still working with the state quite extensively to help kind of control the outbreaks uh, where they can, as well as providing support to local communities and their own workers. And uh, it's just nice to see, man. So wanted to, uh, to throw that good bit of news into the uh, cycle. That is very exciting. A true, actual, actual uh, Christmas present for everybody. And as our final news point for this week we've heard about him we knew he was coming 
Santa! Uh, no, there's so so we normally uh, as we kind of trawl through the news uh, each week. There's a lot of these like customer win stories where Microsoft talks about, hey, you know, we won this contract with this company and it's incredible, and we generally don't cover them unless it's a really big, new, interesting partnership. Uh, but but this this December uh, they published uh, as as they have for for the last couple of years that the NORAD Santa Tracker is hosted on Azure. This is what the, uh, uh, this, this is what the U.S. government, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, what, what does NORAD stand for? I should have, I should have looked this up beforehand. It's the North American something, uh, air defense. North American Aerospace Defense Command. So normally, yeah, they, uh, monitor, uh, the, like, aerospace sphere and basically just maintain sovereignty and make sure that missiles are not coming at North America <laughs> or planes uh, and they, they specifically monitor the the North Pole extensively right because that's our closest border with uh, with with Russia and most of Europe and Asia um, but wow, yeah so so awesome. Microsoft has actually been partnering with NORAD since 2012 when they took over this contract from Google and since then they've been incorporating different layers of Microsoft products it started with like Bing showing you Santa's path uh, through the night uh, and this year um, the the website is hosted on Azure of course uh, but they've also added a chat bot uh, using Azure bot services uh, reading from the blog uh, it can answer questions like is there a big drum of hand sanitizer on board the sleigh uh, and the answer to, as a bit of a spoiler uh, is that Santa is taking all of the necessary precautions to keep everyone safe as he delivers presents so quite quite exciting news Gra glad to see Microsoft's technology out there being used for its its best purposes and and you know it really makes me wonder was this the linchpin in winning the Jedi contract? Was this that foot in the door with the defense <laughs> community that they needed this whole time? I mean, all I know is that this has been one of my favorite things to check on Christmas, uh, going back as far as I care to remember. And I am so happy to see that it is still going. I will say though, the, the thing is like, and uh, I'm sure this would have happened regardless, but the site looks like too like fun and modern now. Like I really liked when um, it was just kind of a very basic, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, just stripped down, kind of like really looked like a government website with no shine <laughs> on it. And just like a simple map of where Santa was. And now it's like a much more fun and interactive thing. But uh, to that extent, and it uh, is it's like a little bit more kid friendly which is good but I liked when it just really felt like a uh... yeah and I guess I, I learned because I, I never read the whole Wikipedia page for the Santa Tracker preparation for this apparently it's it's always been uh, funded by corporate sponsorship uh, none, none of our tax dollars none of the US or Canadian citizens uh, tax dollars uh, go into into all of this hijinks um, so I guess it was originally very minimally corporately sponsored and now it is uh, it's this whole whole big centerpiece well, anyway, that's all the Microsoft news we have for you all this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Send your feedback to livefrombuilding7 at gmail.com. Tweet us at livefromv7 or head on over to our website at building7 at live to see show notes and links to the stories from today's show. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music you are hearing throughout this episode. This show was researched and produced by Kit Hammer and Alex Karsher. With audio production by Alex Karsher. And also a quick note, we will be back uh, next week at our same time, same bat time, same bat channel. The show waits for no one. 
And if uh, Microsoft itself is not uh, putting out much news this week, we will fill time by singing, um, ringing around sleigh bells into our microphone. Um, the triangle. Maybe we'll break out the triangle again. Kind of like clinking ornaments together. Oh, bring out the triangle. Um, I'll tell you all where Santa is. It'll be a good time. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with even, even more, more Microsoft, Microsoft news. news. Santa. Oh, I learned so much I about was... the Santa tracker. Oh, what did you apparently, learn? Apparently, this all started. This is apparently real news, but I, I just believe I don't believe it. But apparently, initially, Sears published a hotline where you could call Santa, but they misprinted the phone number, oh! and it was instead the red phone in somebody's like. NORAD missile tracking station. And so, and so they're there Christmas night. The red phone rings, and it's just a kid asking about Santa. And this person said, Oh, yeah, no, we got him on the scope. Like, and, and apparently this person in very short order got there, this like commander got some some of his subordinates to uh, start answering the phone as the calls just kept coming in. That makes me so happy. <laughs> it's really, it's too good to be true. It's like movie levels of sweet. 